Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. All right, stand up on your feet, take your Bibles, and turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 2 will be our main text tonight. We do have some notes for you, entitling it in the special Christmas series, Confronted by the Magi. Verse 1, Matthew 2, 1, welcome to Dillingham. And uh, who else we got on here? Thank you. Miss Olivia hosting everybody on Facebook, YouTube out there. Oklahoma, greetings. Texas, I suspect. Dallas, Texas. God bless you. We're so glad you're with us. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, quote, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was triggered, troubled. Same thing. And all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. For they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, verse 6, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Verse 9, and when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, fell down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasures, they presented him gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed by their own country another way. When they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the amazing miracle fulfillment of scripture and the, your power upon your word that it goes forth and doesn't return void. We pray tonight that you would move in our lives. Would you ask God to speak to you tonight? Move in our lives, God. Speak to us, giving us living understanding. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Again, we do have notes for you. And we'd encourage you to fill those in as we move along uh, in the text. I think it's six different Christmas messages that I get to preach, not including my daily program, uh, ETS, 
12.30 on YouTube and Facebook. And um, this is one of my favorite ones. Now, if you missed, if you missed, um, if you missed Sunday morning, you want to get that. It has uh, deeply affected me, that particular text about the swaddling cloth. Uh, it's, it really is revelation to me, and I don't say that lightly. I, I've, I think I've preached from that text uh, different messages, including that swaddling cloth revelation. And every time I do it, I think this is about the fifth year I mean, it's amazing to be saved for over, you know, 20 whatever years and never hear a text preached on that swaddling. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. That's why you just go listen to Sunday morning because it'll blow your mind. And uh, I sat there studying again, and every year I've wept, weeping in my chair of revelation, we like to call it. And, and weeping, just going, God, you're amazing. You're amazing. The Word of God needs to touch us. If it doesn't, then maybe you're, you're something wrong. And I've been reading a book called Reese Howell, Intercessor. I'll just say, I'll call, all of you need to read it. Anybody that's interested in prayer, interested in revival, you need to read that book. I think it's out of print, but you can find copies. Reese Howell, Intercessor. I've got a used copy, and I'm working my way through it. And what's um, moving to me is to see this man, Reese Howell, and how the family that he comes from and how God seemingly set him apart. And he wasn't drawn to the things of entertainment of his day, which was like concerts. And they didn't have phones, you know. They didn't have cell phones. I heard one preacher say, you know, there's no real manifestations of devils in churches in the West anymore because we have cell phones now. You might get that on the way home. Anyway, I was reading, I was so convicted going, man, all my fractured focus of all the things that I put myself into and not, many of them are important. But I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, you're, you're not as focused on me as I'd like you to be. I want to bring you to places that you haven't been to yet. And so I'm being very pressed towards this fast. I can hardly wait. Plus, I feel like a sugar cookie. If you feel like a sugar cookie right now, just raise your right hand and say, Jesus, help me right now. Okay. Woo. Pastor Karen can bake. I thought you were on keto. No, not anymore. We backslid. Praise God. Backslid. I did from keto. All right. Let's look at this text. Uh, anyway, this is a profound passage of Scripture. And uh, I, I trust it's going to impact you as it's impacted me as I've prepared it. Matthew, uh, all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all have themes. So if you're a student of God's Word and you look at the themes of the different Gospels, you'll see that they all have a main theme. Anybody know what the main theme of Matthew is? It's Jesus is the King. That's the main theme of the entirety of the book of Matthew. Jesus is king. Everybody say that. Jesus is king. And he tells a story here of these wise men or magi, depending upon what version you have, coming to worshiping, worship Jesus. And they're not, they're not believers as we know it. They're Gentiles. I mean, they're, they're, they're obviously believers because they come to bow down to the Messiah, the king. 
And they come a long way to do it. But they're Gentiles. They're not Jews. There's not Jews that come to worship him. Shepherds, of course, the first ones. We talked about that again on Sunday. So it's not just Palestine is aware of this birth of Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus' birth was highly anticipated by the entire world. I said his, his birth is anticipated by the entire world. If you just study ancient history, you'll see Roman, uh, Roman historians, uh, I think it's Eutodius, I've written it down here, sorry. Suetonius is one of the great Roman historians. Tastius is another great Roman historian. Josephus is, a, is another historian. By the way, they, they write about Jesus the Christ and the crucifixion. These are unbelievers. They, they write about that. And uh, kind of amazing. The earthquake and Josephus is amazing. I think that every scholar of God's word should have a copy of the complete works of Josephus. By the way, you can get all of that stuff online. You don't have to have like this massive library now. And uh, well, most of it, not all of it necessarily. So the, the, this worldwide belief, if you study ancient history, a worldwide belief is that there was coming a king and, and a savior of the world, a king would come and rule. And it was so widespread across religions, across, across the known world, that even Caesar Augustus, Augustus Caesar, gave himself the title of savior and lord to preempt this manifestation of a possible king that would come and try to take his throne. And that's, that's amazing. And of course, there's other reasons he took that title. He started his own worship started his own, I mean, how would you control such a large, a vast empire as a Roman empire? Well, you, you, had to, you had to give them fear, and the way they did that is through creating their own form of worship, and if you didn't worship him, you just got killed. So it's no problem. Who are you going to worship? Well, the emperor. <laughs> uh, but there was a legalized religion, and you can look in the book of Acts about with that. The legalized religion was Judaism. It was the only other religion that was legal in, in the first century Roman world, then emperor worship, you know the only other one? Judaism. That's why Christianity in the Roman world was able to flourish under the covering of Judaism because it was a legalized religion until it became illegal, thanks to Nero and his hussy that he was with. A little bit of church history for you. So these wise men, they, they come from the east. Well, whereabouts? Well, we don't know exactly where they came from, but the, most likely Persia. And uh, I think it's in the 9 BC, 8 or 9 BC, they actually come up with the names of the wise men. But it, that's, that, I, that's, a, that's pretty far-fetched. We three kings. How many of you heard that? We three kings. There's not three. It doesn't say anything about three. There's three gifts. I'm sorry to, you know... Sorry to break it to you, but we don't know if there's three kings, and I still like the song, rhymes, it's cute, but there's three gifts, and they're prophetic gifts, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. These wise men, or magi, are, they, were, they were very close to the throne. They were the uh, academics of the day. They were astrologers, uh, pardon me, astronomers. And, uh, and they looked at stars, they, they were scholars, they were well-educated, they had access to the throne, there was a very highly esteemed uh, position. Um, what many say is that they were disciples of another man who was in Persia, does anybody know who that be? 
His name is Daniel. And many believe that these are disciples of Daniel. Daniel, who wrote the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, was in Persia, same place. And they believe that these wise men were of that same um, line of discipleship. And that's an interesting thought because Daniel in chapter 9 and verse 24 talks about the 70 weeks. Listen, I'm teaching you something a little bit. I know you guys love preaching and love stories, but I'm trying to teach you a little bit. The Bible that you hold in your hand is not some little book of fables put together by a bunch of guys that were crazy. This is amazing. It's a prophetic book, and it is absolutely, you can count on it. You can bet your life on it. It's true. It's real. It's sure. It's the basis of why we believe what we believe. We believe in God's word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain, will endure forever. You go study the 70 weeks of the book of Daniel. See, most people don't want to put the intellectual energy into actually studying it because it, it requires some effort. And you be like, get through it, you're like partially confused about a third of the way through it. You got to go back over and go, now what? And you have to cross-reference and look and read things and just really understand and then pray, ask God to give you revelation. It's just amazing. The 70 weeks, the book of Daniel is one of the most relevant books for our day along with the book of Revelation. So... The book of Daniel talks about the Messiah, talks about this king who would come. And so these magi knew it, and they, they follow this star. They're communicated to uh, and guided by a star. Now, if you notice in the text that this star came, it came down and it rested. Where is it? They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy when they came to the house. Uh, I think just a verse before that. Verse 9. They departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. So let's just imagine that I'm a star. Okay, now a star, the sun is a star. It's a celestial body uh, with gases and burning, and, uh, you know, it's just kind of incredible. If you get any closer, you're going to get burned. Okay, so... A star that comes, let's say that Minister David's baby Jesus, that would make you marry that. I don't know where Joe is, but anyway. So if I'm a star and I come in, they, if I was a real star, they would be smoked. It'd be crispied. So obviously it's not a real star, it's a star that's not hot. It's a star that's not hot. No, I don't think it's either of those things. I think it's an angel. I think it's an angel, and angels are called stars also. And I think it's the, an, an angel that shines the glory of the Lord and communicates to them, you know. An angel shows up. Can you imagine? Shows up two years before, and, and the star they see. Here we go. <laughs> the angel just turns the turns, turns flashlight on in heaven. Let them see that. Is that all right? That's good. They're like, whoa, I see a, I see a new star. He thinks it's a star. It's, a, it's just a heavenly flashlight. And then, you know, that guides him. Come on, two years. Two years, they follow, they follow the heavenly flashlight. It's not, it's not a star like you see it in the star. I don't think so. I think it's an angel. I believe it to be an angel. I was talking with Dr. Morocco about that. He believes it's an angel too, so here we go. They come into, they come into Jerusalem, and you got to know what that was like. I think there's, 
you know, maybe a hundred people. It's not like three, okay? It's not like three guys riding donkeys and rubbing the flint together to get the, you know, but it's like they come with an entourage. And I think they had lots of people with them. They were wealthy. Come on, they, if you understand, they took two years for them to travel. So it'd be two years to go home very possibly. It's a four-year time, a four years given to one worship service. One. To worship the King of Kings, four years. Two years there, two years back, unless, you know, unless the angel's like messing with them. You know what? I just want to go to sleep for a little bit. Okay, you know, I, I don't know. It was syncing things up and timing. Maybe they had to delay. Maybe he like took him a little circle and they had to go out. Maybe it's just a one-year trip and he made him take two years so they could get their hearts right. I mean, I don't know. Four years, let's say, to worship Jesus. And when they come into Jerusalem, you have to understand it was like, I mean, I think it was dramatic. Because all of Jerusalem, all of Jerusalem is like, whoa, what's going on? And, and Herod's triggered because he's a freak. We'll talk about him in a minute. There's three different reactions here to the birth of Jesus. You have Herod's reaction. He's triggered. He's triggered. Because he's a self-serving, terrified, filled with fear, I mean, he murdered, he murdered anybody he ever even thought about was possibly going to take his throne. That's history. Herod's reaction to the birth of Christ is one of rejection. Oh, no, you're not taking my throne. I'm going to kill you. And we know that, in fact, when we went to Israel, Mike, you might remember, and we're going to take another trip in October. We'll let you know more about that. We'll see if we can take some people on that trip. We'll see if the Lord will have us go, Pastor Karen. But we went before, and it was a life-changing trip. And we saw what's called the grave of the innocents. Do you remember that? I do. I remember it. The grave of the innocents. And it's, it's the bones of all the babies that were killed at Bethlehem. They found the grave of all. It was a genocide. Because if you look at what Herod did, Herod's so freaked out that King Jesus is going to take everything he just decided, well, I'm just going to kill. What, what time did the angel show? Oh, two years? Okay. So you go read on, and Herod kills all the two-year-olds and under, wipes out all the babies that are two and under. I mean, we live in a wicked age. This is pretty wicked, though. I mean, it's horrible. And you can see they, they believe they found the grave of what's called the grave of the innocents, and it's all of these children that were killed by Herod, all of their bones, right in Bethlehem. Yeah, he was triggered. He had a fear problem. He killed his son. He killed his wife because he thought they were going to take the throne. There are people in the response to understanding who Jesus really is will reject him. They have what I would call possibly a Herod spirit. They're not going to give their life to Jesus. They're not going to submit to God. They sure ain't coming to church. And anytime they hear about the Lord and hear about the things of God, they put up all kinds of walls. I mean, they just constantly reject the message of the good news of Jesus. Constantly reject it because they're afraid that he's going to take, the, take away their, their fun. They're gonna take, he's going to take away their, their authority. He's going to take away their, their party. He's going he's to not let you 
fulfill your dream. Oh, God, you didn't serve the Lord. Now, now you don't have to. Now, oh, gosh, now you get the boring Christian life. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. No, thanks. Uh, my Christian life has never been boring. Now, I don't know what God, I don't know who, where you, you know, I don't know who you, do you, if, you didn't, if you got born again and you're filled with the Spirit and you follow after Jesus, it's far from boring. But there are people who are afraid that Jesus will disrupt their plans, and so they reject him. Or maybe they make a partial acknowledgement, so like he's a believer. I don't even know that Herod's a believer. Follow me for a second. If he didn't believe, he wouldn't have killed all the babies. So he did believe that there is a Messiah. He did believe there's another king. My gosh, all of these, the, the, the kings, these, they're not kings, really. They're wise men. They come to worship. I mean, that's significant. And, and you, you, you know, he talks to the religious leaders, and they say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the Messiah. Yes, he's coming. It's uh, Bethlehem. So he gets the prophetic word from the religious leader. He believes that's why he took action to make sure that that, that never that king never ruled in his life, but God's smarter than a Herod. People won't give their life to Jesus because they're afraid that Jesus will take the fun out of their life. Listen, life is a word that was actually created by God. Life and life abundant is why he came. He didn't come to steal your stuff. Now I have to tithe now. Do you can't believe you have to give him 10% now? Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I can't, can't go do all the stuff I used to do. Oh man, this is lame. You're in bondage to all of that stuff. He came to set you free. And if you really learn what real joy is, how about lying on your bed at night, having peace? How about lying on your, how about lying on your bed at night and, and you're not filled with anxiety or fear? Peace like a river. How about joy? Joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain. It's running through my veins. Got peace like a river. I got peace like a river. I got peace like a river. It's running through. Come on, sing it like a redneck. I got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain. Who knows the difference between a redneck and a hick? Rednecks tithe. Hicks don't tithe. Amen. Praise God. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So Herod, reject. don't reject Jesus because you think he's going to steal your plants. He knit you together while you're in your mother's womb. Why did he do that? So that he could flow through you and fulfill the purpose and the plan and the destiny that you have for your life, which you can't do on your own. You need God. You need God. Take yourself off the throne, stop rejecting him. I'm speaking to somebody. If you're like a Herod, you're paranoid. Get healed. I'll break that thing now in Jesus' name. The religious leaders, the second group of people, and they're they're apathetic. They're they're indifferent. I mean, just think about this. Think about the fact that they're that if you understand Judaism and understand the hour that they were living in. They would pray, they would fast, they would contend for the Messiah to come, the Deliverer to come, to get Rome out of the Holy Land. And they would contend for the Messiah to rule and reign. They would have prayer meetings. And I mean, they, the hope, the consolation of Israel, they were waiting for God to come any moment. 
That was in their heart. That's in their belief system. So can you imagine when they are invited by Herod and Herod asks them, where is the Messiah to be born? And when you show up, there's a whole entourage of people who are pagans, according to your view. From another world, they're Gentiles. And here they are. You're like, whoa, Herod, how can I help you? Where's the Messiah going to be born? These guys have come to worship him. We want to know where the Messiah is going to be born. And he's like, oh, you came to worship the Messiah. You saw a star in heaven. You led us here. How long ago? Two years. Wow. Bethlehem. And he quotes the Old Testament. Is there anything else you want, Herod? Hey, you know what? It's nice to meet you guys. Have a nice trip. And they leave? What is wrong with that picture? There are religious people. There are scholars in schools. In schools. They know the word ten times more than I do, but except not in the biblical underway of knowing it. They're students, they're scholars, they're smart. They speak Hebrew. They, they can speak Hebrew. They can write, write Hebrew. They can speak, write Greek. They incredible, incredible minds, theologians. And yet, so much knowledge and no relationship with the one who actually wrote it. There are lots of people like that. You say, no way. Yeah, way. That's the way these religious people are. There are people that just want to do their religious thing, but they don't really want Jesus to come in and reorder their life and, 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 and change them. They're afraid. And so they make serving God about knowing the word. They're legalists. People, there's people that are legalists. What do you mean? Legalism, legalism does all the same stuff that someone would do out of relationship, but does it for the wrong reasons. They, legalists fast. Legalists pray. Legalism. They tithe, they go to church, but they do it to get favor. They do it to earn favor, not from a place of you already having favor. I was talking to Pastor Tim. That was so powerful today. I was talking to Pastor Tim, Timothy, pastors of the church in Bristol Bay, and he was talking about how, and I don't think he'd mind if I shared, we're all very transparent around here. You know, you try to put on a facade and pretend you're something you're not, and then you're, you know, you're just a hypocrite. You, you, you know, you just need to be real. Everybody say, be real. So Pastor Timothy was saying, you know, the enemy was beating on him about how he was feeling like he wasn't, that he was a failure. And, uh, and I've felt that way. Has anybody else felt that way? You felt like, huh. I've got lots of stories about that, and the enemy wants to, those are thoughts that come from the enemy. That's not a thought from God. And so he, he's praying, he's weeping, and the Lord spoke to him. And he spoke to him out of the, the text where Jesus comes and is baptized by John the Baptist and, and a voice from heaven and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you're my son. Timothy, you're my son. These are my two of my children here on the front. It's my son, Daniel, plays the drums. He doesn't have to do anything right now to be my son. He is simply 
You could do a blood test. You could try to figure it out. You could look to see if really, yep, really, yep, DNA, yep, that's my son. This is my daughter. She doesn't have to do one thing. Doesn't have to graduate from college. Doesn't have to, she's going to. But that's not going to make her a son. She doesn't have to do anything to be my daughter. She's my daughter just the way she is. She doesn't have to earn it. She doesn't have to prove it. She doesn't have to do good. She doesn't have to hit the home run. You don't have to dunk, but I'll believe with you that you will one day in Jesus' name. Amen. Performance orientation is that you have to do all of these things so you can be the, so that I can finally be the son. I can be the, I'm not going to be the daughter, but you know what I'm saying. And God spoke to him and said, you're my son. And God, let God speak to you right now that you're his son or his daughter if you're born again. And you don't have to do one thing, not one thing, except believe. Let me tell you what happens, though, when you realize who you are. When you realize you're his son, when you realize you're his daughter, something turns on the inside of you. You get a spiritual identity that gives you a, a, a fiery boldness. You start walking in that. Do you understand the difference? There are people that are just like these religious leaders. They're apathetic. They're covering themselves with fig leaves. That's what Adam and Eve did to cover their nakedness. They didn't get covered by, by the Lord. You can only be covered by the Lord. Your shame, your guilt, your sin can only be covered by Jesus Christ's blood that still flows from the cross tonight by faith. And if you try to, you know, if you could just memorize more promises of the word, then everything's going to be, no, that's not even true. And if you study the word just to get some theological, uh, you know, so you can spout theological platitudes, then you've just become a religious person that, that really has no relationship with the Lord. You're like the seven sons of Sceva. And they, they come to try to cast, this is in the book of Acts, they try to cast out devils, and the devil, one devil, says, Paul, Jesus we know, Paul we heard about, and who are you? Like, uh, 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 and the damn devil jumps on them, beats them, rips all their clothes off. There's seven people, rips all their clothes off, and they run out of the house naked and bleeding. Your relationship with Jesus, don't let it be like Herod. Don't reject him because you're afraid he's not going to fulfill your destiny. He made you. He's the only one that can fulfill your destiny. So you give your whole heart to him. Don't be like the religious leaders who said they're waiting for the Messiah, but here's clear evidence that something miraculous is happening. And they go back to their, you know, they go back to their whatever. They go back to their little religious games. I'm going to tell you something. I hate religion. I think religion, religion is a stench in the nostrils of God. And I don't really care how many scriptures you can quote. I don't care how much of the New Testament you've memorized or, you know, how much of the Old Testament or how you've got all the Hebrew root stuff and you can just tie everything together. You know somebody's been transformed by God when, they lit, when their life is changed. 
A life changed is the evidence. First John talks about that. You read First John, people that are done with sin have been born again. If you, if you say that you're born again, but you continue to sin, then you've not been born again. Now, I'm not talking about stumbling and messing up and eating too many sugar cookies, having to repent for a spirit of gluttony. I'm not talking about that. I'm not. There's three reactions here. Herod, the religious people, and then you have the third one. I, I got to say this. There are people that will come to church this week that only come two times. Some just one. Christmas and? Easter. Pastor Karen has a name for folks like that. No, she doesn't either, does it? No. No, she doesn't either, right? I'm just teasing. She doesn't have names for anybody. We are glad they come, but they've been affectionately known as creasters. Don't be, don't listen. Oh, we were like that before we got born again. That's when we went basically, dad, midnight mass, Christmas, and Easter. One of the most traumatic times at Easter is when I got an Easter bunny and they left it in the back of the Cadillac and it melted all over the, all over the Cadillac. I got healed from that after I got born again. I was at an altar call. <laughs> got set free from a melted bunny. The bunny, the bunny, the bunny. Okay. Number three. The third, the third group of people here. So you got Herod who rejects Jesus and tries to, tries to kill him. Then you have the religious people who are totally indifferent. They're, they're just regular churchgoers that don't really change their lives, don't really love God, don't really accept Him as their Lord and Savior. They give a section of their heart to the Lord, but you can't have this. This is my, my precious. You keep that little part for you, but you don't really surrender all to God. Don't, don't be like that. Don't be like these religious people. Don't be somebody who's caught in performance orientation. Don't see yourself as a son. Don't be someone who gets caught up in religiosity and spouting off platitudes. And real revelation from God's word changes you. How many of you need to be changed besides me? I need a lot of help, and he helps me. So well, you're a pastor. Are you perfect? No, except in Christ I am. And forgetting that which lies behind, I press on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. God's working on things. I'm becoming more and more like him every day as I seek him. Is there anybody else? All right. I love that one guy said, don't be tripping. God ain't done with me yet. Come on, say to your neighbor, say, hey, don't be tripping. God ain't done with me yet. All right. The Magi are... Gentiles that teach us how to worship. So we're confronted by the Magi to truly worship. We're confronted by the Magi to truly worship with true dedication. I mean true dedication, true commitment is another, another word you could put in there, true commitment. I, I've known people that didn't come to church because it rained. You know, actually, I commend you. In Alaska, it's not something. We can have snowstorms. People still come. But I, I was in Hawaii for a while. If it rained, 
You know, it's just like, oh, brush, reading. Like, so what? Alaskans are pretty good about that. There's other things that stop Alaskans from coming to church. Obviously not a pandemic. Come on, somebody. Hey! Obviously not a pandemic. Hallelujah. We're growing at breakneck speed. Glory to God. They had commitment. Two years. Two years. Two years. That's commitment. That's a lot of, that's a, it's costly to travel two years. Leave your job. I mean, I, I don't know. It's costly. People drive from Anchorage. People drive from Willow. That's commitment. And then I've asked, I asked some folks that said, you know, how, why is it that you drive an hour and a half? Isn't there another church that maybe, I mean, I don't want you to go anywhere else. I'm glad you drive. They said, oh, no, there's no church like this one. I go, oh, well, maybe we should plant one over there. But they said a church that's alive is worth the drive. That's what they said. That's a, that's a good quote. It's raining. It's too cold. Worship, we have a tendency to, in, our, in our worship to be focused on self. The Western church is so anemic. But I believe that God's changing that. You know, the, this whole, this whole COVID-19 thing is very interesting. It's been interesting to see uh, who would, can't be stopped from going to church. I just think it's interesting. You say, well, shouldn't we submit to authority? Not once they start breaking biblical, biblical rules, then it's game over. And I know there's a lot of views, but we're closer to his return than when we first believed. I'll never forget a couple saying to me, well, I'm not going to share that. Church is crucial. You know, there's no statistics on people who killed themselves because there was no church. You don't hear those statistics. You don't, he you don't, you don't hear about how uh, the phone calls and the depression and the broken marriages, you don't hear all the stuff, the, uh, the fallout of churches that's closing. You don't hear all that. So you have a 0. 0, 0, uh, 0.01 or 0.02% of dying, possible dying of COVID. Go look at the percentages of, of people that have been damaged and marriages that have been trashed. You say, well, they, they do that. The devil's a lot. This, this thing, the, when, when COVID hit, I'm going to just tell you the first thing we did. I don't know what day that was. Was it Wednesday or something? They called down all the regulations and shut everything down. We spit a letter out so fast and said, we are absolutely essential. We're not closing. And we didn't. We changed some of the ways that we did things. I just believe that coming to church, is, it's not an optional thing. I've taught my children that. They were committed. The, the, the Magi were committed. Real, determined. How is your commitment? Or is it just like, oh, you can take it or leave it? I'm, I don't feel like, you know. I think we don't realize the impact that we have when we're committed and the lives that we touch when we show up. You know, I was listening to a, were you in our church in 2005, Julie? Yeah, it was you. I was listening to a message. I was listening to a message from 2005, 2006, and I, I was getting so touched by the Lord. Dr. Morocco's preaching, and I heard you. Come on, I heard you. 
I heard you. So God's blessing your socks off. You're about to be married. Look at all the different things that God has done for you. Come, can you imagine, can you imagine, Pastor Karen, if we weren't committed? I mean, all, I, I think it's the biggest party in town. I mean, what else would you want to do? Come on. It was you. I'm going to find it. I'm going to record it. I'm going to send it to you. Come on. Come on, raise your right hand to heaven and say, oh, I'm committed. I'm committed. Be committed. Worship is more than a song. It's more than, it's, it's serving the Lord. It's a lifestyle. But it's a lifestyle that, that actually includes church. It's not a lifestyle of serving Jesus on the mountain, hunting and snow machining and all that. It includes church. And I can prove that to you out of First John also. You need fellowship. I'm, I'm all for hunting. I'm all for fishing. I'm all for snow machining. I'm all for doing all that. But you, that does not take the place of this. It can't. It's impossible. Oh, let's look at the next thing. They worshiped with real reverence. Reverence is an awareness of God and his presence. I've heard somebody, um, I've heard somebody say that, you know, reverence is just being quiet and still. That's not reverence. It could, be, it could be running around the building. That could be reverent. It's, it's letting the Holy Spirit have his sway in you. It's yielding to God. It's, it's awe of God, an awesome God mixed with fear. Not like fear the boogeyman, but fear respect. Not sure what a boogeyman is, but if he ever comes around, just bind it in Jesus' name. Take authority over the thing. Cast the boogeyman out. Come on. Teach your kids to do that. Teach your kids to take authority over when they wake up and they're scared. In Jesus' name, go. <laughs> Come in. Teach your kids to walk in authority. No, reverence. Reverence is it's yielding to God's word, yielding to God's power. They, they worship with real reverence. I mean, it's amazing. And the insight they had, frankincense, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Prophetic gifts, all of them. And sacrificially, they, they, they gave their best. Do you give your best? Or do you half-step? I, I played sports. In high school, we were mandated to play sports, and I would have done it anyway, but we had to. Everybody in the school had to play sports. Everyone. You had to play. So what if you weren't athletic? Well, you figured it out. And you, you were the first string water boy or whatever. But you were on the team. You were on the team. Everybody had to be on a team. And I had the joy of being a part of some championship teams. And uh, I just remember, I remember, gosh, I could almost weep about it because it affected me so profoundly. This lacrosse, I played the game called lacrosse. And um, my senior year, I had played varsity all, all those years since a, a freshman. I didn't start when I was a freshman, but I was on the team, played JV and varsity back and forth. That senior year, man, we wanted to win so bad. I mean, we wanted the championship so badly. And we had a couple people on the team that one particular guy was the best goalie I've ever seen. He was the fastest, quickest, most gifted goalie I'd ever seen. He just had skills. But he was the laziest 
couldn't work, wouldn't push himself, wouldn't run, wouldn't constantly was getting the team in trouble because he was what was called a loafer. It's a slacker. And I'm just telling you, being on a team, we used to have conversations with that boy. So pull him aside and say, dude, if you make us do a bunch of laps, we're going to beat you after. And he was just always last. This was it. In fact, this was his run. And if he had put his mind to it, he'd probably be beating everybody because he was so incredibly athletic. Amazing. Some people, they... They don't know how to sacrifice, don't know how to work. I'm going to tell you, God won't do your part. You have to do your part. God does his. You can't do his. You must do your part. And some of you are like, well, God, I just could not come through for me yet. Why don't you get your carcass out of bed and get to morning prayer? Get your backside moving, you lazy. You're lazy. Nobody here, of course. It's just the online folks. Take a look at how are you sacrificing? Do you sacrifice? Well, the Lord just wants me to be comfortable. No, he does not. How comfortable was it for Paul to be on a boat called Andromeda with 285 souls or whatever it is? God trusted him enough and his relationship with him enough to put him on a boat that would sink. So that all those people can get saved. Can God trust you enough to put you in the midst of an office, to put you in the midst of a job, to put you in the midst of stuff where people don't like you, Christian haters or whatever the case is, and that you would sacrificially serve the Lord with all your heart so that people can get saved and turned around. I'm going to tell you, people are so looking for comfort. Yet Jesus came to the earth to comfort the afflicted, and I think he came to afflict the comfortable. These religious leaders, you know, they, they're at zero. What? Bethlehem, so far, I'm not ready. I've got things to do. It's probably not the Messiah. They go back and eat another sugar cookie, for God's sake. They sacrificially worship gold, represented a deity, frankincense. Frankincense is... God stipulated in Exodus chapter 30, 34 to 36, that it was supposed to be part of the, uh, prepared for the purpose of sacrificial fumigation. It was used for the incense. It was also used in the anointing oil. I had somebody say to me, how many of you like different fragrances for anointing oil and stuff like that? We have anointing, anointing oil right here, first cold press. But there's, there's a recipe for anointing oil in the Old Testament. How many of you are aware of that? Raise your hand if you're aware of that. Okay, somebody said, this is, somebody said to me, this is exactly like the recipe of the Old Old Testament. I said, well, you better get rid of it. Because they say if you make that, you're going to get killed. So that's what it says. And if you, if you make that, you don't have authority to make it. You're just going to die early. Myrrh. Everybody say, myrrh. It's used for embalming. They gave their best. Oftentimes. Oftentimes we, ha we half-step. I've been convicted of that in my study, in my prayer time. The Lord's trying to take me to a place, and he says, showed me through that book. I was so convicted. I just thought, oh, God. This cycle of like this Mary Martha thing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Mary chose a better portion. You know, you need to get to work, too. 
but sometimes I try to outwork the level of anointing that's been put on me. Does that make sense? Get, get fresh fire, get fresh oil, then go do it. You try to go do it without the fresh oil. You're going to work real hard and not get as much done. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the, with a sharp axe, the work is made easier. You know how you sharpen your axe in the Lord? Reading the word, praying, getting fresh anointing, praying in the spirit, memorizing scripture, walking in step with God, putting him first, serving him with devotion, dedication, with reverence, and with sacrifice. You, you, you be like, the, I'm confronted by the Magi. Or you. It's 827. I think I smell conviction all across the room. Let's all just lift our hands to heaven all across this place. Keys, please. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Who are you? You got a little bit of Herod in there? Hmm? You want your own life? You don't want him to mess up your plans? You got any of that religious legalistic? Do you? I think we all struggle with all of those things. God wants us to truly worship him. God wants us to worship him with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and all our strength. There's so many things that vie for that. Oh, God still has wise men today. Confronted by the Magi. How are you doing in your dedication? What does that look like? Devotion, that's a word that's not used too often. Devoted. Are you devoted to the Lord? It's amazing. I think people are devoted to their phones. I'm going to like drove to Anchorage today and back literally at every stoplight, at every stop sign. When I wasn't looking at my phone, I looked around and thought, man, every single person is on a phone at this stoplight. Yeah, and they're, you know, they're, they're like doing exactly what I was doing. It's a picture of devotion. Just, just think about it for a second. I'm closing. It's my first close. Now, some of you, some of you, you're not like that with your phones. But some of you are. Think, think about if you had that level of commitment this way. That at every, at every light, you're like, oh, God, I just love you, Lord. Just speak to me. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you, God. I love you, Lord. I love you. Oh, oh, oh green light. I'm so sorry. People are beeping. You, you are getting touched by the Holy Ghost. Instead of it, quit texting. Sorry about the droplets right there. I just got that whole section. I'm immune. Think about that. How devoted are you? How devoted are you to your marriage? 
How devoted are you to your children? How devoted are you? We're to be devoted to the Lord. That's what, that's what they were. God still has wise men and wise women today. I think he has some right here. They were devoted. They had reverence. How reverent are you? Can I tell you something that really gets me upset? Although I, I cut it off every time it happens, and it happens almost every week. But on occasion, like tonight, I'll rebuke it. And so some of you are about to be rebuked. We're doing an altar call here, and people are going to give their lives to Jesus, which I'll give an opportunity for here in just a few minutes. It is not the time go to the bathroom. It is not the time to get up and fix your coffee. It is not the time to do anything else but pray that God would truly save people. Not crocodile tears, not, not just, you know, some fire insurance, but true, real salvation. He said, well, what if I have an appointment and you preach long? Which happens? <laughs> All right. I, I understand. And, you know, do what you have to do. It's okay. I'm not going to castigate you while you're walking out, though I have done it before. I had to repent for it. We've had evangelists come and be like, oh, go ahead and leave then. Meanwhile, they had some bodily problem. They were glad they left to go get some help. No, I'm serious. Like, how many of you know, like, if you got to go to the bathroom, like, you got to go. Go, please. Go ahead, our clean team will be very happy about that. Amen. But at the same time, if the shoe fits, wear it. And you don't really care, you're not really thinking about the person getting saved, and you're more concerned about turning your car on so it's warm so you can get in it, as opposed to the person going to hell or heaven or not, then, then take the hit and then just tune, tune, tune your heart and just go, oh, God. And then just agree, God, save people. God, do something. God, touch them right now. As opposed to, you know, you could wait to, you could wait four minutes to go to the bathroom. Unless, of course, you can't. And then, please, by all means, go. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's reverence. That's, that's being aware of what God is doing when the word's being read. You know, we changed some of the things, our notes. We found that, that um, you know, we just weren't really didn't have the timing quite down, and so we were passing notes out while the words were, word was being read, and somebody corrected. I said, you know, Pastor, you're reading the word, and the notes come around. It just really is hard for me. And I thought, oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm just telling you, read like, pass the notes out, then read the word? He said, oh, you're getting a little religious. No, that's just reverence. And I'm never going to apologize for, I'm never going to apologize for holiness. And I'm never going to apologize for reverence. And I'm, I'm never going to apologize for being spiritual. I'm going to stay full of the fire of the Holy Ghost. And I know that we can be uptight and we can be religious sometimes. And we should ask the Lord of God, if I got something religious in me, Lord, would you help me get rid of it? I don't want to be a religious person. Indifferent. Stay, you can miss God. You can miss a move of the Spirit of God because you're so stuck in your ways. That happened in the 90s. Everybody was laughing and filled with joy. People were like, that's not God. Those church, Many of those churches are closed now. I would say that's not God. Oh, I'm, I'm done. Last thing. Sacrificially. Dedication, reverence, sacrifice. How are you doing? 
Christmas, you can look at your life, the birth of Christ, be like the Magi, be like the wise men. Amazing. The cost of time for one worship service. In Africa, in Africa, they'd walk, they will walk all day long to get to church to have one service. And the service is all day. So they'll walk all day on a Saturday, camp out, go to church Sunday morning, and have church all day Sunday, and take the whole rest of the time to come back Monday to their families. A whole day. That's not uncommon. They'll sleep in dirt. That's not uncommon. Where, what happened to the church in America? I think God's raising up a group of people I think God's raising up a church like the, come on, come on, can we be like that? Can we be a church that's filled with awe and reverence and dedication? Come on, stand up on your feet all across this place. Dedication, sacrifice, true worship. God, we want to be true worshipers. Go ahead and tell them right now. Come on, tell them. I didn't preach long. It's only 835. You can go finish wrapping your gifts here in just a minute. Come on. Come on, analyze your life. Take a look at your life. Ask the Holy Spirit, how are you doing? How you doing? Are you indifferent? Are you shutting down the conviction that comes because it's too painful? I would tell you to yield to it. Weep, cry, repent. Ask God to forgive you. You know, every time you, there's this for a number of people, every time you fight, God touches you and you fend him off. You harden your heart just a little bit more, just a little bit more and a little bit more. And I'm going to tell you, you're in church, you're online right now, you felt very convicted, but you've been able to put it off up until now, until I started running my mouth about it. Don't put it off. Don't, don't, don't put it off. Yield to that. Always yield to the Holy Spirit. Always yield. That's what real reverence is. You want a changed life? You need healing? You're broken? Quit playing church. Don't play church. Probably sure you hate it here. I want you to be set free, and playing church will never, ever get you there. Never. Lift your hands to heaven. Toby, come and grab a microphone. Lift your hands to the Lord. Lift your hearts to Him. In Dillingham, in Texas. Come on, just begin to talk to Him all across this place. I'm not going to go much longer. But we want to be at Christmas, and not just at Christmas, every day of the year we want to be like that. We want to be people that are dedicated, committed, committed to you, committed to each other, committed to worship, committed to holiness, committed to your word. We want to be a people that are reverent, God. And God, we at times can be so selfish and so irreverent and flip for the sake of humor or for the sake of protecting ourselves. We want to be reverent. We don't want to be indifferent. We want to be moved by what moves you. We want to be moved by the lost. We want to be moved by what's taking place. Abortion. God, let it, let it move us. That which grieves you, let it, let it move us to prayer. Let us come under a glorious burden to tear down the high places, Lord, not only in our own lives, but in our community. 
God, we want to we want to worship you with dedication and reverence. We want to honor you. We want to be a people of sacrifice. Considering what you've done, the reasonable thing, Romans 12, 2, the reasonable thing, considering your crucifixion, your resurrection, so that we could be made new, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be washed, so that we could be cleansed, so that we could be healed. Considering all of that, therefore the reasonable thing we should do is to be a living sacrifice. And God, so oftentimes it's all about us. Be myself and I, the unholy trinity. God, we don't want to be like that. We want to be like you. We want to be a people that position ourselves, that hunger, that yearn for you and your power and your word to be manifested. We want to be a people, Lord, that rightly love you. Hallelujah. Come on, just talk to God.
the Holy Spirit touch you. The service will be over in just a few moments here. Let him touch you right now. Let him touch you right now. Commit your life to him afresh. Give your life to him. going to make a way for you. Hear this word. The Lord's going to make a way for you regarding your education. There's a uniqueness about who you are. You have the ability to write, ability to speak. It's like a renaissance man on the inside of you. And I'm going to make a way. You've always been unique and different in a boldness. Not really cared much about what people or even friends would think. Although you have a tender heart. And there was even a season that went by where there were friends, seeming friends, that, that pierced you and hurt you. The Lord's touched you and you've forgiven. The Lord says, I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to raise you up to be mighty in the house of the Lord and in the marketplace. I'm going to raise you up to be mighty amongst your generation. Leadership at times can be a lonely place, but it's, it, can, it can be lonely in the form of relationships here in the earth. But if you commit yourself, if you dedicate yourself as you have and continue to do and keep your heart and grow in the knowledge of God and put prayer as the main thing in your life, I will not only raise you up to be a spokesman, but I'll raise you up to be a statesman. And I'll give you favor, un uncanny, unusual favor. You'll be deeply respected and you'll be used turn the hearts of many. And even now, I'm turning hearts. Holy Spirit, let your fire come.
this place, want to do that for the first time, or make a recommitment, or you just want to be assured of your salvation, Jesus died on a cross, and he rose again from the grave. If you believe in your heart that that's the truth, and you repent, you ask God to forgive you for your sin, lies, cheating, lust, greed, breaking the Ten Commandments, you ask God to forgive you, to come into your life, to wash you and cleanse you and make you new, then he will do just that. He'll make you new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man or woman be in Christ, he's a new creation. The way that you get in Christ is by being born again. If you haven't been born again, I'm going to tell you the message of the Bible, Methodists, Presbyterians, Baptists, Evangelicals. And the truth is, if you get a hold of a Catholic that's got it right, they'll tell you the same thing. This is what this says. Every denomination across the board. Sometimes it's hard to find it, but it's at the core of what this is. You must be born again. You could go to church all your life and, until you look like a pew. And it will not take away your sin any more than you standing in a garage makes you an automobile. You're, you can stand in the garage all of your life and you'll never be a truck or a car. A monkey can put on a suit. A monkey can put on a pair of jeans, a cool shirt and a hat, and it's still a monkey. You must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. And until you do that, your sin remains and you're separated from God. And He's reaching to you through my voice tonight to repent, to give your life to Jesus. That's, that's really what this is all about. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. It's enough. That's why we do what we do. We're here to preach the gospel. Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected from the dead. Believe in your heart, confess in your mouth. You shall be saved. And then he'll fill you with his spirit. Empower you with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And use you to change the world. That's why you're still here after you get saved. Purpose. this place you say that's me I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time or you want to make a recommitment number two you want to make a recommitment number three you just want to be sure on the count of three raise your hand one two three do it God bless you God bless you God bless you okay you raised your hand I see hands all over quickly come to the front just come 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 on come on come to the front come on come to the front just join us up here we're all going to pray together you can clap now come on 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 sending your son Jesus to die in my place to rise again from the grave for me forgive me of all of my sin and be my Lord be my Savior wash me, cleanse me and make me new thank you for loving me thank you for hearing my prayer amen, let me pray for you I pray Holy Spirit that you would touch and fill 
each and every one. In the name of Jesus, baptize these afresh right now. In Jesus' name. Break every bondage. Break every chain. Break every curse. In the name of Jesus. God, thank you. Amen. Why don't you put your hands together one more time for the Lord. Don't miss tomorrow at 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock is the care service. If you want to wear a mask and be social distance, we'd love to have you upstairs. Separate entrance. Minister Haggerty will be helping us with that. We'll hope to see you. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful time. Both services are pretty full, so you want to be sure to be a little bit early. Uh, the service is one hour long. It's not a long service. It's not as long as this one. We love you. God bless you. May the Lord bless you, cause his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance towards you, be gracious to you, keep you, and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Merry Christmas if we don't see you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.